Hello, and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And for those of you that are new to the podcast, just a real quick overview of what we talk about and why this podcast, I think, is relevant, uh, particularly in uh, today's world. Um, Carl Jung, at one point in time, the philosopher, was quoted as, uh, after being asked a question, what is the soul? He said that, from his perspective, the soul was that part of anything, and he literally meant anything, that enlivened whatever it was that we were you know, looking at, speaking about, or, or uh, organizing around, you know, specifically human beings, that, that spark, that divine spark that brings life. Uh, a tree, it's the same sort of a thing. The same is true uh, with, in my experience and in my perspective, uh, from my perspective, uh, with a business. A business has a soul. It's that spark that, you know, it's usually present initially on the founding of the organization. Uh, it's part of the mindset that the uh, uh, founders bring to the organization. It's that, that creative piece. It's that part that imagination can live in when it's really allowed to uh, take root and grow. It's where innovation you know, can be sourced. And it is essentially the part that answers the question, for the sake of what are we in business? Not why are we in business, but for the sake of what are we in business? So with that little bit of an overview, uh, the guests that we've been having on the show are fairly eclectic. Uh, we've got macrobiologists, we've got ecologists, we've got business leaders, we've got uh, artists, uh, filmmakers, uh, just a, a pretty interesting uh, cast of characters, you might say. Uh, and today is no exception. Um, and just in full disclosure, uh, my guest today, Ronaldo Brutico, uh, I've known Ronaldo, oh goodness, what, 10 years now? Yes, or a little bit longer than that, maybe. Um, he's we met the, in bathrobes in the hallway, but we should let that story go. <laughs> well, no, we might talk about that one. That could be interesting. Uh, Ronaldo is the head of the World Business uh, Academy, and that actually is more than the head of it. He is uh, kind of the founding uh, soul, if you will, along with Wells Harmon a number of years ago, but yeah. Ronaldo has been the torchbearer of the uh, the academy for well since its inception, yeah, twenty seven, well, almost three decades ago now, um, and I am thrilled to have him on the show for a couple of different reasons. One would be obviously what's going on in the uh, economic gestalt that we find ourselves living in today as a consequence of uh, the COVID nineteen virus, um, but also just an ethos that the academy espouses, which is the perspective that business, because it's the most pervasive force on the planet, business has a literally a moral obligation to take responsibility for the whole. And when you go to the, um, the website uh, of the World Business Academy, you will see that uh, in the masthead, business taking responsibility for the whole. So uh, Ronaldo, I want to just thank you very much for uh, taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy given a lot of stuff that uh, you're up to. Um, but thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Blaine. It's always great to uh, chat with you and um, to do it with this technology is even more fun because usually we just talk on the phone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get to actually see you while I'm talking to you, which you know, we will get to the bathroom story in just a minute. <laughs> but before that, you know, what, the only question I usually will bring to the table uh, and then we just kind of riff from there is when you hear the soul of business, what does that bring to mind for you? Okay, so to me, it's more than a double entendre. So the soul of business 
is the zeitgeist, the essence of what business is about. And I would argue that business is about providing some good or service that society needs or wants that is not destructive. So it's got to, you can't be providing a service called murder for hire. That would, that wouldn't be business. That would be gangsters, right? That'd be, be mob. So a business provides a good or service that society needs or wants. That's an appropriate good or service that provides the, the framework for business to see itself in service to society. So the soul of business in that context is the essence of what the business is here to do, which is to bring forth into the material plane of reality, something that started out in the etheric plane, in the, in the, in the world of mind, consciousness. You know, before Henry Ford could build his first car, he had to envision, oh, I think we're gonna do a thing with the long line and somehow we're gonna do this assembly thing. Oh, we'll call it assembly line. Now I'm gonna build my cars. You can't start with the car rolling off the first driveway you conceptualize what the car is going to look like and how you're going to build it. That's the etheric plane, conceptual. Physical car driving off the lot, that's the material plane of reality. It's converting that. And if you look at all the great business stories of all time, they all have that in common. They, they, they take some etheric, some concept, consciousness, whether it's um, uh, Thomas Edison, uh, Ford, as I mentioned, uh, Andrew Carnegie with blast furnaces. You start with a concept and then you go, okay, how to make that concept real. Now, that's what the soul of business is, is to be real in society for purpose and good. And I'll come back to that because that led to the creation of the mission statement of the Academy. By the way, it's 1986, Bart. So, so we're talking a lot more than 30 years ago. More than 30 years. Yeah. I was a young man then. <laughs> uh, and the, um, the second part of it, the, the, I say it's a double entendre. The other part of the essence of the word soul, I believe that Teilhard de Jardin had it correct that we are spiritual beings having a human experience rather than human beings occasionally having a spiritual experience. So if we are spiritual beings having a human experience, we have to bring to our daily life, which means what we do for a living, that same essence of soul, of soul, of, of, of the connector within that connects to all that's without. So the, the the blows to the world in, in the Buddhist concept. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the connecting to all that is in the Einsteinian sense. It's the, it's the belief that you are with this portal when you go inward, you're actually accessing through that inner dimension all the wisdom and knowledge of the ages and the connectedness of you to all things and all inanimate beings, uh, animate and inanimate. So, so that soul connection, meaning that portal connection, so soul to me is the portal to the divine that each of us can experience within ourselves. And when we start businesses, we bring that to the business and we create what we believe is the collective soul of the enterprise. And that's a lot deeper than purpose, although I'm a big fan of purpose. So Academy about 15 years ago pioneered that we're beyond three Ps. It's not just people, planet, and profits. It's also purpose. Mm -hmm. But even when you take all those together, they don't equal soul. What they equal is very smart execution theory. What you get when you talk about the soul level, you get this other dimension of the spirituality of the fact that we are spiritual beings, our whole creation is a spiritual creation, and therefore the soul of business is the portal to the inner dimensions of the highest aspirations of the people who put that company together for the purpose intended. Wow. I love it. That is one of the most erudite definitions I've heard of, uh, of and you're that collecting them. <laughs> and I'm collecting them. I absolutely am. I, uh, I'm not pretending to know what it is. I just ask the question. 
By the way, you know, you were, just because I said I'd come back to the mission state of the academy. The, so when we started the academy in 1986, and, and um, I, I was the founder, and, and, and Willis joined as the first person on board. We call him the co-founder, along with Jagdish Parikh, who was another very interesting man. And who, by the way, you might want to contact for your series, because getting on in years as he is, being able to tap his wisdom would be an amazing coup, because um, he doesn't leave Bombay anymore. Um, and he is the closest person I know who lived with Gandhi as a child and was like Gandhi was his uncle in so many words. Um, and it's had a lasting impact on us. But in the academy, we said, if we're going to be responsible for the whole, if, if we really are spiritual beings having a human experience and these corporations, these business enterprises are the way, are the vehicles that we can use to leverage our etheric plane concepts into the practical plane of reality of physical stuff then there are three things you got to be willing to do if you want to see things change. Because without change in the business world, there will be no ultimate change in the planet. And we're running out of time, clearly. Yeah. You know? So the last species die off was 100,000 years ago. And that's when we lost the last, basically, around then we lost the, the last of the predecessor species. So you're, you're not going to find um, them around anymore. And there were 32 different predecessor species, and Neanderthals being the last one before mm -hmm. us. Yep. But we, Homo sapiens sapiens, which came on the scene about 100,000 years ago, are now going through species die-off, meaning we literally have terminated our ability to support ourselves on this planet as the species known as Homo sapiens sapiens. That's why the planet is on fire, because we've destroyed conditions that make it possible for us to live here. So our technology and our casualness and our carelessness and our de being divorced from the responsibility for what we create has led it to the point where our planet's now becoming unlivable mm -hmm. and probably will be so within less than 10 years. Yeah, now, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, epidemiolo uh, epidemiologically. Uh, well, that and climate change. change. I mean, yeah. And yeah. by the way, if you talk to Bill Gates. Ecology and uh, epidemiology are linked. Yeah, and if you talk to Gates, Bill Gates, 2015, he said, we're going to get hit with an, some huge virus is going to go through here like a pandemic, and you got to be aware of it because you can see it coming when you destroy the climate the way we have. He could see it coming, and, and yes. I can give you why, chapter and verse. So in the face of that awareness, the three, we call it the tripartite, tripartite mission of the Academy, is to shift, and then I want to, each of the three has shifted the consciousness as the first three words. And that's really important because we're talking about something that's based on consciousness. Yes. So shift the consciousness of existing business leadership from that of a predator to that of a steward because you act differently if you think you're responsible. And we live in a time where we've seen the worst abuses of predatory thinking in the business community and look at where it's gotten us. And I'm not just talking 2008 at this point. Yes. I'm talking real modern times like ones we're in right now, where people yeah. are gouging to sell PEP, protective gear. Uh, yeah. They're gouging to sell ventilators. Uh, they're gouging to sell uh, certain nutrients, uh, swabs, and you name it. Okay. That's predatory. That's the class, you know, you walk into a town, everybody's dying from thirst, and you say, I'll give you a, a glass of water for a hundred bucks. That's predatory. Predatory. Okay. The second part of the mission, shift the consciousness of existing business, of, of young people entering the business discipline, particularly our business schools. So they see themselves as entering a noble profession rather than a jungle. All the metaphors when I came into business were either military or jungle. Uh -huh. And 
what I, you know, it's like if you really get dressed in the morning as a young MBA or as a student or as someone going into the business world for the first time and you look in the mirror and you see yourself putting on say, a coat and tie or whatever, it's a woman's a suit of some sort or whatever her business garb is. And you see yourself as robing for the temple. In that moment, you remember why you're here. You are to be of service. If you are not being of service as a business person, you are a pariah. In fact, you're a parasite. You're mm -hmm. leeching off of the goodwill and the beneficence of the society that spawned you for your own greedy purpose. Yeah, so, we talk in the, you know, in the book, Compassionate Capitalism, wherever it is here, uh, about the merchant priest. And that's essentially what you're speaking to here. Yeah. yeah. And then, so that's the second one. So become a steward. Mm -hmm. Take responsibility for what you're doing so you can co-create a better world. And that's a whole lot better than being predatory. Be aware that you're not in a jungle where it's kill or be killed. You're going into a temple where it's let's everybody helps each other get to the next level of the game, mutual support. When you talk about um, the third one, which is the, um, the third one is the uh, one I like and I'm working on the most right now with an organization called Just Capital is shift the consciousness of the public at large. So it puts its money where its deeper values are, knowing that when they do that, business will turn on a dime. Business will immediately service that desired need because that's how business operates. Now, with those three parts of the mission statement, we believe you're prepared now to shift the consciousness of business at this time so it sees itself as the single most powerful force to reconstruct the mess we've made. Whether business made this mess all by itself or whether it helped from, had help from political forces or religious forces or all kinds of other forces, fine, water under the bridge. The fact is we're here. Yeah. And nothing has the power of global business, nothing. And without global business deciding to change, meaning not only business in the US, but in every country in the world, if you don't change that, you won't change the fundamental outcome. So that's where we're at. Yep. We're at the edge of extinction, literally. We're, we're at a point where our, our civilization is going through an extinction event. And there aren't going to be any homo sapiens sapiens left in another 20, 30 years, just like there's no Neanderthals today. And that's okay, because those of us who will survive this ex extinction will be that new awareness that not only embraces all three of those principles, but also embraces the principle that we are one. Yes. Okay. So that's what the new consciousness is. It's the man or woman who knows, that's sapiens, that they know, that's sapiens, sapiens. And what they know is that we are one. That's homo universalis. Right. That's the emerging new species. And that's what we should be looking at in the terms of the soul of business. It's what we should be talking about in terms of the, the jumping off point for something like compassionate capitalism. It's where I've been talking about for 20 years, the business warrior monk comes from. All of that comes from the same fountainhead. Yeah, have an awareness of relationship to society. You know, the, the title of the book, Compassionate Capitalism, yeah, compassion predicates connection. And without connection, there is no need for compassion. And without compassion, you have no connection. Yeah, I mean, there's a symbiosis that kind of comes into play with that. So it's one thing to be conscious, you know, conscious capitalism, but it's another thing to actually, you know, it's the behavioral analog to that, which is compassion. It translates into something more, uh, you know, aspirational in one sense, but also I think just much more fundamental given what we're dealing with today. Well, and I think that it brings in an, an element that starts to tread towards the spiritual mm -hmm. because conscious capitalism can be a very mental conversation with yourself. It, and, it, it, and it is. 
you know, yep. and I've been at the forefront of it for 35 right. years. So yes, I get it. I like it. I embrace it. At the end of the day, it's not as powerful in a way as compassionate capitalism, which has the soul element embedded as well as consciousness. Yes. Because we are soul beings, as I said a moment ago. And, yep. and, and you know, we, we, we can't ignore that. We do so at our peril. In fact, the, the, the extent that we will go to in modern society to, to try and numb that awareness of our spirituality, um, you look at all the drugs, opioids, you oh. look at, yeah. you go right down the line, alcohol, right food, line. food, sex. I mean, there's so many drugs you can yep. try for. And they're all used pretty much for the same purpose, which is to numb out your ability to really connect at a deeper level with the who you are at that portal place in your soul. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, and, uh, Sonia Amaret, uh, Nobel laureate, economic professor out of India. Um, you know, we, we don't have any real poverty in the world today. I mean, the, we have poverty pockets, but you know, what he talks about is poverty of meaning. And this is where you begin to see the opioid crisis as an example and some of the other uh, addictive behaviors that you come into it's the surfeit of meaning the absence of meaning which signals a disconnect from soul soul is meaning lived yeah because if see if you are a spiritual being that's why i started there and, and you have you cultivate with the same diligence your attention to that soul portal in yourself and your organization yeah uh, which, by the way, once you cultivate that in an organization, then that becomes the yardstick by which all your values are set, your value metrics. Well, which then that brings us to an interesting inflection point here in our, in our dialogue. Um, business runs on metrics. I mean, yeah, measure something to gauge where it's going. And you know, the action... Management only gets what it measures. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing else. So... Yeah, you and Deepak were in a conversation a number of years ago, and um, I'm not sure which one it was, whether it was you or Deepak, but you had this idea of changing the business metrics, and it came to be called Just Capital. Yeah, no, it's a great story. It's a great story. So it's a short story, too. Uh, so Deepak <coughs> said to me one day, because we were working together, I was running his foundation for him for a while, and, and um, we, we've been brothers for almost 25 years now. So it's a very close relationship, still is. I just talked to him a couple of days ago. And um, he turns to me one day and he says, Ronaldo, what would it take to get Wall Street to be quit being so rapacious and greedy and destructive? Because that's what's getting us into this trouble. And I said, well, Deepak, you, you'll never meditate them there. They're not gonna, they're not gonna change because they had a moment of like Paul on the road to uh, Tarsus, Paul, Paul on the road to, where was, where was Paul of Tarsus on the road to uh, Gethsemane. Gethsemane, yeah. You know where it is? Paul was riding the road, he gets hit with a flash of lightning and he becomes a Christian. Remember that whole thing? Okay. It, you know, that moment isn't coming in Wall Street. <laughs> they don't have those antenna. <laughs> but what you can do, Deepak, is you can change the goalposts. If you can redefine what success looks like, you don't have to convince them. They'll go there, they'll go there like heat-seeking missiles because they want to win. The essence of Wall Street is the, is the competitive desire to win almost detached from every other human emotion. Mm -hmm. And that drive is what you have to tap. And if you, if you change those goalposts, that would be the way to change the effect of business. And he goes, oh, well, that would be like just capital, like capital that was really just. I said, yeah, that would be just capital. He says, why don't we do that? 
said, okay, hey, why not? Let me flesh it out a little bit. It's a little, it's a little loose. It just came off the cuff. And then uh, what happened yeah, this is- This napkin is a little freight around the edges here. Not long after that, I, at that point, I talked to only one other guy about it, at, at Deepak's suggestion. And I, I had not really, hadn't written a paper on it yet. I hadn't, you know, like formulated. I'm somewhat of an academic, as you know, so I like to get, do my homework before I work stuff out. And so I'm due to give a talk at his annual Sages and Science Conference, which we, which we at the foundation put on every year. And my talk that year was on climate change. And I came, as I should, with, you know, slides under my arm, so to speak, you know, metaphorically. So I had my slides. I had my presentation. I was, you know, it's a YouTube link, and a uh, TED Talk link talk, basically, followed by questions. So I'm ready to go on. I'm standing on the stair behind the curtain, next guy to go up. I've been mic'd. He puts his hand on his shoulder and he goes, Ronaldo. Don't do that. Don't do climate change. Do just capital. I said, Deepak, you can't do that, man. I've got 20 minutes of really good stuff here. I want to go do this. And I am not ready to talk about just capital. It's just not ready because I haven't had a chance to cook it enough in my own mind to start you know, selling it, basically. He said, just go do it. So I go out there on the stage and I ignore him. And I do my 20 minutes of climate change. Sure enough, he comes out from behind the curtain. And he puts his shoulder on me. Now, Ronaldo, how long have we been really close friends? And I said, I don't know, Deepak, maybe 20 years at this point. This is all on video, by the way. And he said, okay, so why won't you talk about Just Capital then? <laughs> okay, I'll talk about it. Okay. So I did a five-minute riff on what Just Capital would be. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at it today, that's, you compare it to the five-minute riff, that's what it is. <laughs> Because, you know, in the, mo in the pressure of that moment, having to think through what would be the moving parts of that, I started thinking through really quick, okay, here's what I feel safe saying, and here's what I don't feel safe saying, I'll leave that up, and I'll just keep building on it from there. And that's how Just Capital was started, as a project of the World Business Academy, with an um, with with assist from the Chopra Foundation. Of course, as Deepak usually does, once he's incinerated me with the idea, then it's my problem to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Go execute. I'm the idea man. You go execute. <laughs> you had the idea. Go, go, go make just capital happen. Go do that. And to his credit, he stuck around for a couple of years. And uh, we had a wonderful woman on our board at the foundation who was the wife of Paul Tudor Jones. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know Paul in those days. Didn't know who he was even in those days. And, and I thought she was fabulous. And so Deepak mentioned to her something about this idea. And he decided to go see Paul Tudor Jones. So Paul invites us to go see him back in New York in his conference area in Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut. And uh, we ended up um, having lunch there. And we did a, like about a one hour meeting and um, he got interested. We kept him interested. And that was six years ago. Yep. And we've been on average the last six years, we've probably spent about, gosh, I'm gonna say at least six to seven million a year on average uh -huh. capital. Uh, we've now interviewed 93, 94,000 Americans individually about what they think just behavior would be. We print them every year with our partner Forbes and a special issue of Forbes magazine in November. And we list uh, how every one of the top 1000 largest public companies in America are ranked by those criteria as to justness. Yeah. And we rank them as overall, we rank them by uh, different seven different categories. So and by sector as well, market sector as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, by sector too. And yeah. it's an enormous amount of data. We cr I mean, unbelievable amount of data we crush. And it, and by the way, we did a new thing which your your readers really, your listeners should know about. So we have what's called the COVID tracker. Mm -hmm. 
That's, and that's yeah, where I wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah. Take a look at it. It's fabulous. We're getting tremendous response from it. Uh, what we're doing is we're helping people understand who's doing what in the business community in this COVID crisis. And uh, we, I think we just did the, we did the original issues about 10 days, two weeks ago, and we just updated it. So it's, it's out there on the public and go to justcapital.com. It's a nonprofit. It was a division of the World Business Academy, which is a nonprofit. But um, Paul and, and Martin and the guys decided they wanted to put .com. It's easier for business people to think about it than something tricky. So we do .com rather than .org. But it is a nonprofit. Yeah, and, and by the way, justcapital.com. Go look at it. I urge you to look at what we do. It's all transparent. How we do it is transparent. Um, our rankings are transparent. Um, and, you know, we're not perfect. We're learning as we go. And I think there's lots of... Um, there's lots of fine points that keep coming up that we have to make choices about. Um, and we, we're trying to make them to the best of our ability. I, I'll give you an example. Um, one battle I won, I won't mention the ones I've lost, but the one battle I won was I said, you know, you can't have a cigarette company in the 1000 because there's no place for a cigarette company in legitimate business. I mean, the, the ethos of a cigarette company is addict its customers to the point of death for profit. That again is a gangster. Mm -hmm. right? That's, that's that guy sells heroin. That's what he's doing. Right. So I, I, can, I, to me, it's not a legitimate business. So RJ Reynolds is not a legitimate business enterprise. It, it, it is a mob run organization for pure profit where death is the stock and trade. And they know they're killing people. And by the way, they want to get you as young as they can so they can sell you as much of their garbage. So that by the time you die, you will have bought a lot. And that's why it's so addictive. And that's why they, for since the sixties, when they learned what they were doing, that they kept lying about it. Mm -hmm. The way fossil fuels lie in line since the oh, 60s. Since the 60s as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and there's some decent guys coming out of the fossil fuel business now, but uh, by large, it's um, hard to justify what the fossil fuel companies do in the pursuit of greed and the price of that to society. Oh, the consequence environmentally as well as, uh, you, know, it, you know, ecologically, environmentally. Politically, you, know, you, want to, you want to destroy a country, go discover oil there and then watch them fight like crazy and some dictator will emerge mm -hmm. and watch other people get screwed. And I just, I, that's not just Nigeria I'm talking about, that's every single country where it happens. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you and if you want to look at the ultimate uh, in um, destructive political power that oil can create, look at Saudi Arabia. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. BS or Russia. People. Yeah. Or Russia. Yeah. Good. Another one. Good one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. So, yeah, I want to be real you know, clear here. The World Business Academy is not anti-business. <laughs> no, we're for business. No, <laughs> exactly. Say that again. We're for business. Yes, and, absolutely. And in fact, one of the things we say in Just Capital is one business of the reasons. True sense. See, Just Capital is when we measure the top performing 100 companies in the country, we actually put together an ETF of just those hundred companies. Yep. We have consistently outperformed the market for three years. Yeah. And, and for those of you that don't know what an ETF is, those, those listeners, it's exchange uh, traded fund. Extreme. Yeah. Exchange traded fund. It's like the ETF that we put out, which Goldman Sachs is carrying as their paper, um, is the top 100 companies. And when you buy into that ETF, you're getting the, uh, basically a package. You're not buying the individual company. And, and that ETF has been outperforming the market in good times and bad. Now, why that's important is because what we're proving is business leadership that's sophisticated enough to understand what it's doing in all realms is going to outperform the greedy and the lazy over time. Yeah. So 
the best place this comes up is we've, we've been pioneering at the Academy for about 15 years and now for the last two years at Just Capital, a concept called stakeholder capitalism. Yep. And the idea behind stakeholder capitalism always was and still is, it's illegitimate for a business to only have one stakeholder as its objective. So if all you are doing is working for shareholders, we consider that an illegitimate exercise. Mm -hmm. Because you're denying your responsibility to other stakeholders, which would include your employees, would include your vendors, would include the people that uh, your customers, it would include uh, the, co the communities in which you operate and the planet on which you live. And what we say in the academy is every business arises from a society somewhere in the world or from global society. You can't evaluate the business apart from where it arose from. That's like not being able to, to you want to evaluate me, you got to know who my mother was. <laughs> and it helps know who my father was too. If you want to know where business is coming from, you have to be able to evaluate that. You have to be able to evaluate what is the zeitgeist? What is, what is, the, what is the, if you will, the spiritual momentum through which all this moves to create the result you hope in business? And for me, the, 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 and I, I consider myself blessed in so many ways because in addition to being in the academy all these years and writing about all this stuff with all these books and papers, um, you know, I've had the good fortune to be very successful in business. And um, that wasn't an objective. Being successful in business was never an objective. It was always about something I thought I needed to do, and I'd do it. And I figured if I'm going to do it, I might as well turn it into a for-profit enterprise. So when I started investing in, you know, basically organic food 30 years ago, it was mm -hmm. early on, but I, I did it for all the right reasons. I think I knew it was going to get to be a big industry. I'm not sure I thought it would get as big as it's gotten. But clearly getting in at the ground floor was pretty good for me. Financially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, certainly that was true when I started the first pay television company in the world with two other guys back in 1972. So uh, it, we made a lot of money in that. It, it, other things I've done because I thought they needed to get done. In other words, I had a reason as a business that emerged from the society to do something to give back in the, pro per, yeah. and in the process. Yeah. Make a profit. Well, and let me go back to profit. Okay, here's my definition of profit. Profit is the surplus you get to reinvest and keep for doing something well that society needs and wants. That society needs and wants. And that's the caveat that I think a lot of, I mean, you look at business today, the value proposition, and this goes all the way back to how we began to define, you know, the soul of business, you know, an expression of, of connection. If, if my service or product isn't uplifting the experience of being alive on this planet for all on the planet, I don't deserve to be in business. You know, I mean, it's, it ultimately comes down to that. And yeah. if, if I am, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a profit. I will have a you're return supposed, on that. You're supposed to because that's what business does is we're supposed yeah. to create a surplus. The very, goodness, the very first business transaction that probably ever happened in the world, somewhere in the Middle East, where one guy was going what was called groats, which is a form of barley. It's a Middle Eastern grain. Mm -hmm. Groats. Yeah, I got some in the pantry, actually. Oh my goodness, I didn't know they were still around. Good for you. Yes, they are. Being. And then um, some guys were also growing pigs down the road because that's the oldest domesticated animal. And a pig farmer, he can't let his pigs run wild, so he can't leave the pigs and go get his groats. And the groat farmer can't leave his field to go get the pig. So some guy goes, I'm going to tell you what, I'll take one of your pigs, I'll swap it for a couple of bushels of his groats, and I'll exchange them. Now you guys can do what you do well, and I'll charge a small fee for the process. That's totally legitimate business. That's the surplus. Now, if you charge five times what they get, that's not business. That's, not that's business. abuse. <laughs> yeah. okay. And so I, I really like to look at how it is that business can arise from a society 
and how impossible it is for business to survive or succeed in the absence of that system. Exactly. The only guys making money in Syria are bomb makers. Right? Try, try be a bread maker in Syria. You ain't gonna have a great future. Try doing it in Afghanistan. Try doing it in Iraq in some way. Try doing it in Iran in many cases. Okay? Yeah. So you really cannot to ignore the society you come from. If you do so, you do so at your peril. And when you try to insulate yourself with private armies, which people are increasingly are doing now, it, it's not going to work. You end up in private army business. Well, that whole notion of societal uh, uh, context, you know, and being the wellspring of a business, given what we're at right now, society, I mean, we're not going to be the same as we were before we entered into this pandemic uh, situation. There will be an emergence, but it will be smelling, looking, tasting, feeling different. What do you see societally that will influence and impact what business may be like coming out of this? Ooh, man, I got to tell you that. Take as much time as you need in the next three minutes to answer that question. I'll tell you something. It's humbling. Uh, I've never in my life been in a situation where I had less clarity of what was coming than I am right now. Uh, and, and that's because we are literally going through species die off. Our civilization, as you have known, it came to the end of its rope. And this particular pandemic is just one incident. What's happening in climate change is the bigger question, much worse and there's no vaccine for it. So I'm thinking that what is going to come out of the other side of this is not going to look a lot like what went in at yeah, all. That's, that's what I'm thinking. And that's true politically. That's true economically. That's true in terms of what businesses rise and fall. And when you put on top of it the extra dimension of climate change pressures, meaning on top of the pandemic, and when you put on top of it that we probably, these are good numbers, uh, we're an economy that's basically driven about 75% by consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, we've lost about a third of that already. And that's yes. clearly. And of that third, so 25, 30%, that's at least 15% never coming back, maybe more. So if I said to you, you went into this door and you came out 20% smaller GDP than you walked in yesterday, can you tell me what that looks like on this side of the door? Not really. Not really. Not really, because everything's going to get rearranged. And the politics are going to get massively rearranged. We're going to end up in a full-blown autocracy by the end of this year, or in a civil war, or both, or a, or a passing of the baton to a different consciousness about what government's supposed to do for people and what business has to do in support of government and people. Yeah. That's a serious choice in front of us. Yeah. And I think the best business people on the planet would agree that's a choice we need to make in the affirmative. We, we I, need to be more of service, not less. Absolutely. I could and not I, agree more. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the things we do with COVID tracker, we, 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 we point out stories of companies that are doing really exceptional things to try and protect their employees at a time when, if you can take the hit on your P&L for, say, employees that um, don't have enough to stay alive, they really have to keep getting paid. And you can take that hit and worry mm-hmm. about making it back two or three years from now, you're going to be in great shape. Did yeah. you see that Costco, which did that, yeah. just reached its dividend yesterday? Yeah, I saw that. You know, uh, you know your, your friend and my friend, um, you know, Raj Sisodia. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, wrote a book a number of years ago, uh, Firms of Endearment. And in the just capital metrics, you know, remind me a lot of what he spoke to. And Costco was one of those firms that he identified in firms of endearment. Yeah. And I know that you also met, you know, they're, they're, they're one that are considered in the uh, just capital 
Uh, yeah, no, and, and very much so. But and and, and Raj, uh, Raj Shasodia, that when he wrote that book, I went out to find him after I saw it. Yeah, you know, I guy. did too. And yeah, you remember he was at Bentley then. I mean, he wasn't yep. only a graduate program. It was an undergraduate economics program he was teaching. Hmm. He writes this incredibly thoughtful, insightful book. Yeah. Of course, he's gone on now. Actually, it actually was a Babson. Babson. Babson, that's right. Babson, yeah. that's what it was. And, and, and so he, and he goes on to write this really incredibly thoughtful, insightful book. And then, of course, in the last three years, he's been the co-founder of Conscious Capitalism with John Mackey. And really the, art, the, the, the articulator of the theory behind conscious capitalism, which yeah. I think is having a huge a positive impact. So I, I think Raj is a great example of a guy that you wouldn't have been looking for because he wasn't on the main circuit, who just had these insights that turned out to be where his mind worked a certain way he could see what someone hadn't seen in the Yep, he could connect yeah. the dots looking backward is yeah. basically yeah. what he did. Yeah, so there's a possibility for a future, but you connect the dots looking backward and then you move that analog forward and see what we have, so. Yeah. My friend, uh, Marilyn Ferguson, used to say, it's like being a future historian. You got, you got to put yourself in the future, then look back to see what you saw. A future historian. <laughs> I love that. Marilyn's great. Um, we are at the time that this is supposed to come to a close, and I could talk to you forever. As a matter of fact, I love talking to you forever. Uh, I've been doing that forever for about 10 years. We did not get around to the bathrobe story. Uh, I'm going to just drop that in there as a teaser for possibly tease. next time. <laughs> Bring me back. For, that'll be the tease to bring me back. That will be I want to put a plug in for your book. I told you I was going to do that. He did not solicit. Oh, this, this oh the new book. Solicit. Yes. His yeah. new book. Um, I just thought, I, I have this rule of thumb. But I, I, I read books like Blaine's new workbook, which I think is a lot of times people call them workbooks and they're not really this. This is really workbook. You want to hold the cover up because I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, pull this out here. The Leadership Mindset Weekly. Okay. So, so it, it's, 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 a, it's a handbook. It's what you do every day for a period of weeks, actually a year in this case. To, um, to, to, to shift not only your consciousness, but to shift your execution of your consciousness, so I put it. And I have this like rule of thumb, which is if I go through a book like that and I have to use my highlighter 10% of the time or less, it probably wasn't worth reading. If I got to use my highlighter 10 to 25% of the time, it was really worth my time. Your book was pushing 50%. I mean, I got, it, I was up there, like, I got at least a third of this, your paid words are underlined. Because I think it's, you've got a lot of really insightful sentences that you can pop right out. And then if you keep reading, you understand them better. And I, I don't want people to think it's a turgid book because it's not. You, you make it easy and light. And I really enjoyed it. Um, glad you sent it to me so I could look at it. And I, I recommend it to people as a good basic entry vehicle to this kind of thinking. Well, thank you very much for that. That I'm was solicited. an unsolicited endorsement from a very good friend. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Ronaldo Brutico for being uh, my guest today. Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Ronaldo, where can people find out more about you and the Academy world, specifically? World, We've got justcapital.com as one no, place. But go to worldbusiness.org. Yeah. Pardon? Since, 19, since 1986, worldbusiness.org. Worldbusiness.org. And in full disclosure, in the spirit of transparency, I am on the board of directors of the World Business Academy, so I can't let that go unspoken. Uh, uh, I am an avid fan, and uh, you might say fanatical fan, of both my guests here today, but also of the work that the Academy is doing. Ronaldo, thank you very much. Thanks for this is Blaine Bartlett. Uh, you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more about me and what I'm up to at blainebartlett.com. And um, 
at that location, you can also find out a little bit about some of the coaching uh, work that we've got available, as well as pick up a copy of the Leadership Mindset Weekly. Again, thank you for the endorsement. You're welcome. Be well. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.